there. Welcome to LSAT Demon Daily. I'm Lily Taylor, that's Marissa Varnado. We're teachers and tutors at LSAT Demon, and today we are giving you the full scoop on our admissions cycles. Marissa, I'm so excited to be here and to do this. It has felt like the longest journey ever, but we've made it. We did it. It's awesome. (laughs) All right, well, today we're going to do sort of two cycles in one episode, so to keep it a little bit Um, more understandable. I think um, we'll go through each of our cycles first, and then at the end, we'll sort of talk together about how we made our final decision, where we're going to be in the fall. I think we're both really excited um, about where we've landed. So uh, Marissa, I think uh, you have some questions for me first, and then we'll turn it around and I'll ask you. Yeah, definitely. So I just wanted to start out by asking you to talk a little bit about your hard stats, like what, how did the LSAT go for you? How was your college undergrad experience, that kind of thing? Yeah. Um, you know, I could do a whole episode on my LSAT journey, which was a lot in and of itself. I started with a diagnostic in the 140s, kind of worked my way up. And I eventually ended up applying with um, my third take of the LSAT, which was a 174. And I feel good about that as um, a number. I was applying to essentially mostly the top 14 schools. And for all schools except for Yale, I was either at or above median. And I was under no um, no pretenses that I was going to get into Yale no matter what score I had on the LSAT. So I felt good to go ahead and apply there. Um, so that was where I, I landed with that number. And then in terms of my undergrad, um, I didn't know that I wanted to go to law school in undergrad really kind of crossed my mind, but I actually got a 4.0 in undergrad, um, not because I knew anything about law school admissions, but because I just kind of made it a goal my first semester. And um, after that, I was like, well, I'm just going to keep this up. Like I did it one time. I think I can do it again. And so I did, and I've always liked school. So um, as a nerd, I was like, ah, it's a good excuse to just study some more and um, just continue my nerddom uh, all the way through. So those are my stats, a 174 and a 4.0. They were good stats, but stats don't guarantee anything. So I knew that I had satisfied, like if we want to use ELSA language, the necessary condition of at least getting my foot in the door at these schools but I also knew that it was going to come down to a lot more than my stats. Um, but we'll get, yeah. that. we'll get to, we'll get to the, all the writing and that stuff in a second. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, you nailed it. And I, I love this Lilyism that stats are necessary, but not sufficient. And so I would love to hear a little bit more about like what you think took you over the edge and, you know, some of your experiences that you included on your resume, some of your soft factors that we like to talk about here. Yeah, I don't think I had great softs. I mean, they were fine. Um, I was not a Rhodes Scholar. I did not um, join the army. Like there, there was nothing like that was really exceptional about what I'd done. But at the time of applying, I was in a master's program. Like I said, I didn't know for a while that I wanted to go to law school. I thought I might want to get a PhD and go into academia. So I um, am actually just about to finish up that master's. So for the schools that I was looking at, they saw, okay, she'll have a master's degree by the time she begins school here. Um, I also had some internships within the entertainment industry, which I felt were pretty unique. And one thing that I did, and I think we don't discuss this quite enough is that part of my issue with my application, if I'm taking like an objective glance at it, I'm pretending to be an admissions person. 
I didn't seem to have any reason as to why I was going to law school. It looked really disjointed, like internships in entertainment, a degree in writing. Why is she coming or applying to law school? And so what I did was I made a really concerted effort to explain that. And the way I explained it was that, hey, I want to do entertainment law. And that's true. I do. I'm really interested in entertainment law. Um, I'm not convinced that that won't change in the future, but media and entertainment were always something I was interested in. And having worked with legal counsel at NBC, which is where I'd done my internships, um, I was able to speak to where that desire stemmed from and make my application look much more cohesive. So I kind of brought it together by saying, hey, I love entertainment. I love writing. The law allows me to write. Um, I can further work in entertainment, but in a new capacity that has always fascinated me. And that's why I want to go to law school. And I think if I wouldn't have done that and really put my story together in that way, I don't believe I would have been as, as successful um, as I ended up being. So those were my softs. I mean, also some random stuff like uh, leadership positions on campus. I think things that most people have, um, but probably the masters and the internships were the only thing that were a little bit different. Yeah. Awesome. I, I love that you said that. And I love the way that you talked sort of about how you, you, pull the narrative together to make it feel more cohesive and give them a reason why. Uh, I, I think like talking about that through line and, and talking about how you made that more clear, I feel like that's just the perfect uh, sort of segue into our uh, my next question for you, which is about your writing. Like how did you pull things from your resume, make them sort of give them new life in your writing and um, give them that through line of why you want to be in law school? Yeah. Yeah. My personal statement is funny to me. And the reason it's funny is that I tell more of a, of a sort of lyrical or like literary story, um, in my personal statement. So it's not like, Hey, I did this thing and it went really well. Although I do mention those wins, I guess I had in life, but I start my personal statement by talking about this time when I was getting my scuba certification and it was this really terrifying moment because one of the like tests you have to pass is that you have to take off your mask and take out your regulator. And I was like 30 feet underwater. It was a super murky day, um, right off the coast of California. So like horrible, um, horrible, uh, like mud and stuff had gotten up. You couldn't see a thing. And I have a little bit of claustrophobia. So the idea of like letting go of my breathing apparatus and not being able to open my eyes really got to me. And so I kind of, I went into that moment in my personal statement and why, despite the fear, I did the test anyway. And I sort of ended up relating that back to, there have been other difficult and even sometimes painful things that I've done in life. But the reason that I've done them and the, what that story I think shows is that I have a real ambition and drive. So we, even when things are, are hard, I'm willing to go through with it anyway. So I sort of brought up the writing projects I'd done in college, including writing a novel in a semester. I tied it to all of these like actual concrete achievements, but I started with a more ethereal setting scene of a moment when you could see all of that sort of coalescing. And it happened when I was 15. Some people say don't write about stuff from when you're younger. For me, because I think I took it from being 15 to stuff I had achieved more recently. I think it was fine. And then I essentially capped off the essay by saying, Hey, I want to do exactly what I just said a few minutes ago, which is I want to take that love of writing, take that ambition and turn it toward law school. Uh, so that was my personal statement. I also wrote, um, what we call in the admissions, uh, world, uh, Y X's. And these are essentially one page statements indicating to schools why you're interested in attending. 
you might be thinking if you have not gone through admissions yourself, well, you applied there. Don't they know you're interested? Well, it's not that easy, <laughs> more simple. And while you can absolutely be admitted to any school in the country without a YX, and some even prefer not to receive one off the top of my head, Yale, Harvard, Stanford, I think NYU as well, generally don't like them. There are other schools that do. I did my research. I was aware of which schools are really concerned about fit and which schools want to see that you have a um, not only a desire to go there, but that you understand what life is like. So we're talking about some of these schools that are in places that may not be seen as as desirable by candidates. So if you're NYU or Columbia, I don't think you're very worried about people wanting to come live in New York. Generally, that's like a goal for people is to go live in the city at some point. But if you're in Charlottesville or Ann Arbor or Durham, you might have more concern about if I accept this person, will I yield them? Will they actually come? So I wrote YXs for a number of schools. I'll tell you which ones. I wrote them for UVA, Michigan, Duke, and Florida. And then I also wrote um, some additional optional essays. So for Penn Carey um, Law, that was a what they call a core values essay. It's kind of like a YX. It's a little bit different. They kind of have a unique prompt. So I wrote that essay for them. And for Georgetown, I wrote a top 10 list essay, which was like, a, for me, I did a bucket list. It was very random. I think I mentioned <laughs> Emily Dickinson like three times. Um, so <laughs> that, that, those are all of my actual writing things that I did. And I have to say, I think that my writing is the reason why I received a lot of the acceptances that I did. Um, like I said, my, my hard stats got me in the door. But Dean Ingber from Yale, she has a great quote that I love to tell people, which is that your hard stats, they set the bar, your softs in your writing help you jump it. So if you have perfect stats, right, you're a 180 and a 4.0, your bar is pretty much on the ground, but you can still trip over it if you don't have the writing um, and all of those other components. So if you, on the other hand, have really poor stats for a given school, and that bar is really high, you can actually jump over it sometimes with your writing. So um, my goal was like, I didn't think my bar was on the floor, but I did think I had to do some more to get myself into these very top institutions. And that's what I did. And I worked really hard on those essays. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I didn't know that story about your personal statement. That is absolutely <laughs> terrifying. Uh, my biggest fear is the deep sea. So that is, it's amazing to me that you're that you scuba dive. And it's also amazing that you were able to take that experience and uh, pull it through to your uh, personal statement. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah it so actually, it, it made me a little bit, um, like it kind of stuck me out in a way because during the Georgetown group interview, I mentioned as my fun fact this time when I was scuba diving with sharks. And I remember afterward people like talking from my group about the scuba girl, like on this online forum. <laughs> and I was like, oh, like that was me. I didn't know that was so weird. <laughs> Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah, that's awesome. Like, uh, yeah, that's that'll definitely make you stand out. Yeah, so you 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 wrote all these essays. You got your stats together. You put your soft skills. You got your resumes in. So, how did uh, what was? Is there anything else about the process that you'd like to mention? Like, I, I know that for some schools, like you said, some of them like to see a a why statement. Uh, some schools have interview opportunities. Some schools don't. Could you speak a little bit to that? Yeah, absolutely. And I know we'll talk about it when we get to your cycle as well, but I actually completed, uh, it was five interviews. Um, I had applied to 13 schools. Um, so a few of those interviews were one-on-one -on -one over Zoom. 
So those schools were the University of Virginia and the University of Chicago. Those are my favorite, both because I had great interviewers, but also because it's just a lot less weird to actually just speak with someone. You can connect with them. Uh, it gives you a really good sense of the school too. You can ask them questions. So I liked those the best. I had two of those. I had one group interview, which was Georgetown's. That's a very unique experience. If you apply to Georgetown, make sure to kind of read up online about what that looks like. It's really cool. Um, Dean Andy over at Georgetown does a great job with it, but it's certainly something that I'm glad I had a little bit of uh, information about before I went into. And then finally, I did two Kira interviews, and these are a little bit weird. It's essentially like you get a prompt through an online service and then it records you speaking for a set amount of time. So I think for Cornell, it was about maybe a minute and a half for Northwestern. It was about the same, not much you can do to prepare for those except just show up and uh, try to keep your answers concise. So I didn't like those very much, but yeah, all in all, it was 13 schools. Um, I'm happy to name them too and tell you which ones rejected me and which ones accepted me if, if you want to know. Yeah, that would be my next question. You, you put in all that work, and so uh, what was the outcome? Yeah, so I told you I applied to 13 schools. Um, I received two rejections, which were from Yale and Harvard. Um, and then of the rest, I was accepted to them all. So I will name them um, with the caveat that I actually did withdraw from one school. So I got two rejections. I withdrew before a decision from um, the University of Michigan. So I'm not sure what they would have decided. And the rest were acceptances. So I will read those out. So I got into the University of Chicago, the University of Pennsylvania, Cary, uh, New York University, University of Virginia, Duke, Cornell, Northwestern, Georgetown, the University of Florida, Levin, and the University of Alabama. Awesome. That, it must, yeah, it must be so rewarding to see all of your hard work pay off. Obviously, you only get to choose one, but to have options, is it never hurts to have options. So that's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe we'll talk about scholarship information in a second, but I think at this point I'll turn my questions to you so we can get uh, some good info about, about your cycle as well. So Marissa, tell me, give me your hard stats. What were you going in with? <laughs> so um, generally speaking, I will say this has been a very winding road and I, and I, I cannot say I have learned a lot, but I cannot say that I would necessarily recommend doing things the way that I did them. So that is just a massive disclaimer at the top. Lily is the queen. I am just here vibing. So um, I, my hard stats going in, my LSAC GPA 3.37. Um, so I knew, you know, right off the bat, I had to be a splitter. I've been out of school for four years, which also helps, right? Like having a lower GPA, um, but also having that work experience to offset that a little bit was definitely beneficial for me. Um, so 337 and then, uh, ended up with a 173 on the LSAT. Um, so with, so I did achieve my goal of being a splitter. And I think that that was, you know, you can show, you can make up for a lot by showing that you can work hard and learn and that you still have that capacity. So yeah, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, talk us through your softs then. You said you were out of school for a few years. Um, what does your resume look like? What was that um, in terms of like bolstering your numbers as well? Yeah, for sure. So um, after I, so I went to Johns Hopkins for undergrad and I played basketball, women's basketball for the women's basketball team there. Um, so that was an awesome experience and definitely sort of parlayed into other leadership experiences on campus. So 
being a leader within like student athlete advisory committee and being a leader within like athlete Bible studies and things like that were things that uh, I feel also showed, like you were saying, Lily, sort of a, a through line of leadership on my resume um, starting, you know, in undergrad. And then um, right out of college, I uh, did Teach for America. So I, that was my second AmeriCorps experience. So I worked for a trail crew. I told you it was a little bit of a winding road. So I did some conservation work out in Utah and South Dakota and North Dakota for AmeriCorps while I was still an undergrad. And then um, right after, did another AmeriCorps program in Teach for America, which was uh, an awesome experience. I was down in Nashville um, teaching English language learners, um, which was uh, just super awesome. Um, so I did that. And earn my master's in education. So also a master's student like Lily um, for those first two years out. And then after that, I started working for a homelessness nonprofit here in Richmond, Virginia. And so I sort of, like Lily said, in order to find the narrative, and it's something that I, you know, is a personal narrative to me. Um, but and it's all it's like everything is true, but you just have to make it more clear, right? So like I really saw the impact of housing on my students, like lack of stable housing, lack of affordable housing in Nashville, that kind of thing. So then I went to work for a homelessness nonprofit, and now my interest in law school sort of lies in the public interest sector, housing, tenants' rights, that kind of thing. Um, so I was able to tie that in um, a little bit as well. So yeah, those are my thoughts and a awesome. little bit of my why. Yeah. I, I think what you just said is so, so clutch and so key is that you're not making anything up. Like when I said craft your narrative, it's not like you've had no experience with, I don't know, environmental law. And then you just pretend that you've had that, right? It's taking what you've actually done and giving them like a path there, right? You're taking them from point A to point B. It's all true. It's all on your resume, but you're guiding them. And I think that is such a good distinction to make. Thank you, um, Marissa, for saying that. I really appreciate it. Okay. Well, tell us about your personal statement, your writing. Did you write YXs? Um, what was your uh, approach to that part of applying? Yeah, my personal statement definitely centered around that housing theme, right? So I, I started, actually, that's interesting. I guess the theme of my personal statement was more like justice. So I started out um, uh, on the women's basketball team at Johns Hopkins. I was, so we were living in Baltimore City, you know, um, Freddie Gray has just been murdered. So this is like 2015-ish um, when I'm graduating high school and getting into college and stuff. And so I sort of centered the narrative around my um, not standing for the national anthem during, uh, during pregame, uh, you know, to play the forever game. Uh, and sort of just that little bit of um, protest or a little bit of um, resistance that I could show because I felt that there was some tension between like the way that I was spending my time and the, the things that I valued, right? So like spending all my time in the gym versus like spending my time in the community and that kind of thing. So I felt like that was a little way for me to um, still feel connected to like the causes and the efforts that I was working towards off the court. Um, so I started my personal statement there and sort of took it through to um, the other work that I've done in that same vein. So like I said, with Teach for America, doing, uh, you know, working with my students, helping kids translate documents so that they can get their their things in for um, whatever assistance that they need um, and then taking it through to my uh, nonprofit work here um, and so yeah that was sort of my personal statement through line and then kind of trying to connect that to the idea of learning about 
not only the sort of hard legal outcomes of the justice system, but also like how to pursue justice within the justice system, like justice as a like moral concept or like as a, an equity concept. Um, so that was, that was a little bit about my personal statement. Um, had a lot of fun writing it. Definitely went through a lot of iterations. And honestly, I will say, um, I was definitely nervous. Like my, one of my top choices is, you know, sat in the part of the deep South and I was nervous about writing about, um, about some of the topics that I touched on, but it was, like I said, like we've been saying, it, it was true and that, and it's who I am. So I didn't feel it was appropriate to shy away from that. If I'm going to come to campus and also be myself, then I should be a place to be in a place where that is acceptable. Right. Um, oh, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't think we talk enough about how sometimes a rejection is really because law school admissions committees, they know their law school. And I think sometimes a rejection is not because they don't think that you could do the work or that you wouldn't be a great student, but that they see that you are not a fit. Um, I don't know how many rejections that is, but I, I think it's worth mentioning, right? Like um, sometimes people have ideas about a school that are not accurate. And I think that that is one thing that both sides need to work on is finding both the fit for the school and the fit for you personally. So that's great, Marissa. I'm glad that you sent that topic in anyway. Um, I really think that it's more important than anything that we are ourselves in these applications. Like if I would have tried to write your personal statement or vice versa, it probably would have come across as not genuine. So don't try to make yourself be anyone other than who you are. And um, with good stats and enough care and time, the right school is going to see that in you. That's awesome. Yeah, for sure. Um, did you write any YXs? I did. I also wrote a diversity statement just briefly. Um, so I, and I wrote that about my time teaching as well. Um, and about being like a queer teacher in the South and sort of in this political climate, right? Like having all these bills that are being passed that would have had impacts on my students and that kind of thing. So, um, I think a diversity statement is a great place to, to talk about something new. And I think like, as a person of color, like I felt that that was captured in my personal statement, um, sort of like some of my experiences with why I feel motivated to do this work. So I was able to take my diversity statement and write it about something, another element of diversity, another intersection of my identity that I felt was relevant. And so I just wanted to throw that out there. Like, don't write a diversity statement if you feel it'll be redundant, but also like maybe think about other ways that you bring diversity to places. But yes, you asked about YXs, um, and I did write some. Um, I wrote a YX for Virginia. I wrote one for Michigan. I also wrote um, the Penn Carey essay that you spoke about for Stanford. I like. <laughs> I wrote a top three song list, yeah. and I like <laughs> agonized over it for some reason. And I'm like, I definitely overthought it. So like sometimes. I feel like admissions committees have to make these things fun for themselves. So like, it probably doesn't matter what three songs they put down, but they, you know, maybe they just wanted to see something fun, see if they saw any of their favorite songs on there. So yeah, I wrote that one. Um, yeah, I guess the, the takeaway from that is really just don't overthink it because some of these things are like, who would you have dinner with if you could have dinner with anyone? And it's like, just relax and say who you'd have dinner with, you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure those are all my, um, my why yeah yeah i mean your point to the point of your diversity statement 
they're trying to get a sense of who you are from like a 10 to depending on the school, 15 page PDF file. So if you have an opportunity to write a personal statement and then to also write a diversity statement, I can't think of a reason unless it would be a horrible diversity statement or, um, you are just making something up not to write it. And the reason is that it's another page of them getting to know who you are. It makes you more than just that PDF. So that's awesome, Marissa. And yeah, to the point of Stanford's um, optionals, they're so fun. And Georgetown's top 10, same thing. I really appreciate it when a school does something different like that. But I think the key is like, it's not that they want to know the songs or they want to know what's on your bucket list. They want to see why. This is where they get that actual like personality um, more so than the resume or even the personal statement, I think is in those, those little fun things. And I wish more schools offered them. All right. So give us, give us the actual recap. Tell us where were you accepted? Where were you denied? Where were you waitlisted? If you were, what are the, uh, what's the hard truth or the amazing <laughs> truth? <laughs> well, yeah. So the outcomes are as follows. Um, Vanderbilt was accepted to Vanderbilt. I was accepted to UVA. Um, I was accepted to Wash U in St. Louis. I was also accepted to Michigan. Uh, I was accepted to Penn Carey as well. And then I was, I still haven't heard from Stanford. So that, I guess, <laughs> is something to be considered. But uh, I have made my decisions. So I won't leave y'all hanging like that. So, yeah. Awesome. Um, well, I think this is a good point to now just kind of dive into our stories together. And maybe we start with scholarship. And you and I actually, got some similar or actually the same scholarships from certain schools. So do you want to talk about um, maybe like just maybe go in that order you just listed, whatever. Tell us about some of your scholarship offers. Uh, I'll do the same. And then we'll, we'll talk about how we chose. Yeah, for sure. All right. So yeah, I'll talk about my scholarship. So I received to Vanderbilt, I received uh, 162,500. Um, so that was the chancellor's law scholarship. Um, which works out to be about 85% tuition. To Wash U, I received um, about, it works out to 235500 so that's full tuition plus a stipend. To Michigan, I received 90000 uh, To University of Virginia, I received the Karsh Dillard Scholarship, so that works out to be full tuition. And to University of Pennsylvania, I received about $120,000, the Dean Scholarship. And like I said, I haven't heard from Stanford, so what about awesome. you? And yeah, those are all over three years, right? So those are like not per year, but over the three. Yeah, it's weird that I don't know why we all talk about it that way, but that's the way yeah. everyone does it. So we go along with it. Um, great. So uh, I'll start from the top, I guess. So uh, from University of Chicago, I received thirty thousand dollars, which is about ten thousand dollars off a year. So it's kind of like I just got a little discount. Um, is what I'd call it. Um, from the University of Pennsylvania, I also received the Dean Scholarship um, in the amount of $123,000. From NYU, I got $104,000. From the University of Virginia, I also received the Karsh Dillard Scholarship, which is full tuition and fees. You forgot our fees. They're, they're fees. also covered. <laughs> Can't forget the fees. Um, and that's $222,600. Um, to Duke, I received 114,000. To Cornell, I received 150. I withdrew from Northwestern prior to aid, so I'm not sure what I would have gotten there. From Georgetown, I received 120. From Florida, 114, which is full tuition there. And from Alabama, 135, which is full tuition there. So I essentially ranged from very minimal, like a few thousand dollars off a year, to full scholarships. But here's the real question, right? 
what was your decision down to? We've, we've said a lot of numbers. We've said a lot of names. What were your final two and how did you pick? Yeah, I, um, you know, we never say narrow it down to two, but I did, uh, I narrowed it down to two. I was between Vanderbilt and UVA, um, and UVA kind of drops their aid all at once in March. So I was accepted to Vanderbilt long before I knew that I was even accepted to UVA. And then long before I knew about the aid story, like I said, I had done teach for America down there, have a network, of a community down there, um, that I was eager to get back to. Um, so I was working with that about 85% tuition number in my head. Um, so I'd come out owing about $40,000 going into it. Plus, um, what would work out to be about four would work out to be four years of living costs. Cause I was pursuing a dual degree at the divinity school there. Um, the thing about that is going into public interest work, we know not always the most lucrative, right. Um, and, and, you know, our ethos don't pay for law school sort of, uh, it was ringing in my head. Um, so when that aid came through from, or when that scholarship uh, came through from UVA in the form of full tuition, it was certainly hard to say no to. Um, but I tried to keep an open mind. Um, I actually learned about it when I landed in Nashville for Vanderbilt's accepted students day. Um, so I went through that sort of, you know, you know, give me a reason to say no. Um, you know, had an experience there, um, met some folks, talk to professors, try to keep an open mind and everything. Um, and then, you know, UVA admitted students weekend came, had an open house on grounds. There's all kinds of lunch <laughs> here over there. Um, but I mean, I had like just an amazing time. Um, the people there were just so incredible. Our interviewer, I say R cause Lily also had our interviewer, uh, just incredible, such a warm welcome. Yeah, it's just not every day that a school goes out of their way to make you feel like you'll be part of the community, um, going on tours, kids, you know, trying to whisper, oh, you should come here, you should come here, and all that stuff. Um, just made it made it feel like a really natural decision. And yeah, I guess I had them on, on the edge of their seats. I, I got to <laughs> have a conversation with the dean a couple of days after um, admit students weekend. And she's like, what can I do? What can I, I can't bring your friends here, but like, what can I tell you about UVA? that, you know, we'll sell you. And, um, she was pretty convincing and, you know, it's an amazing school and amazing opportunity. So it was hard to turn down. So, yep, that's, that was my decision. So that's wah amazing. Wah. <laughs> wah, yeah. Wahoo wah for real. Um, oh, I guess that spoils my decision, but we'll get there in a second. <laughs> <laughs> so my decision also came down to two. Um, they were the two that I'd kind of been keeping an eye on all cycle, even before I was accepted. Um, they were really kind of in my top from the get-go. And that was the University of Chicago and the University of Virginia. So um, when I was admitted to Chicago, I kind of thought that's it. Like it is a great school. Um, it's ranked very highly. And I thought it'd be great and fun to live in Chicago. So I attended their admitted students day and was super impressed. Um, the faculty were incredible. It was a really amazing community of people who are even bigger nerds than me, which I wasn't aware was possible. Um, good to know that it is though. And I thought my decision was pretty much made, but I was hesitating for a few reasons. One, I hadn't gotten any merit aid information yet. And if you know anything about law school tuition, it is expensive and Chicago is expensive. Not as bad as New York, um, but it is still pretty expensive. So I hadn't deposited for those two reasons. And like Marissa said, we hadn't gotten aid information from UVA. So I was kind of like 
definitely the school I'll go to if I don't go to Chicago. But I was feeling like Chicago. Then UVA day came and I saw I'd gotten the Karsh Dillard scholarship, which I had never imagined I would get. And I was totally blown away. So I was like, well, I guess I have to go to their admitted students weekend now. And luckily for me, Marissa was also going and we just had the most incredible time. Um, she mentioned our interviewer. I have never in my life had an interview as exceptional as, um, convincing and not because she was selling us on xyz objective amazing outcome that uva can give but because she genuinely felt like she cared about me and my story and wanted me to come and make um uva hopefully better which i hope that both of us can do just like uh, all of you out there i hope that any institution you go to that you leave it better than you found it so um after that admitted students weekend i did a complete 180. I was like, this is it. Actually, I think I did the 180, like, I think like the first day, I think we were like an hour in and I was like, Marissa, I got, this sweatshirt. <laughs> yeah, I got the sweatshirt. I was like, I'm done. So as soon as I got home, um, I deposited there. And funnily enough, while we were at UVA's admitted students weekend, I got that scholarship from Chicago, which took 10 grand a year off. And I was like, well, a quarter million, um, to pay for you Chicago versus free at UVA. Plus, I loved you, everything about UVA, every person I met, and made it a really easy decision. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so we'll I'm be, so we'll excited. be news. I know, yeah. we're going to be together. We'll have a real demon presence uh, on ground. So if anyone, uh, if anyone's ever around, come say hi to us. Um, funny story, I met someone at Admitted Students Weekend who was a student in my Logic Games Foundations class. So you never know who you're going to run into uh, at law schools and... Uh, I'm super stoked. What about you, Marissa? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I could not be more excited. I think law school will be hard. No one, no one's going to tell you anything different. But finding that place that will make it that won't make it harder than it needs to be is uh, sort of the name of the game in this situation. So um, yeah, I think we both found that in UVA. And um, yeah, I mean, I can't wait to be Lily's classmate. Are you kidding me? That's awesome. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I can't wait to see you kill it on the softball field. UVA is known for softball. Um, if you don't know, and Marissa is like the most incredible athlete. So I'm going to be the one handing out oranges and Marissa is going to be the one like winning everything. So it's going to be a great little dynamic that we're going to have. Going on. That's kind. All right. <laughs> well, any last thoughts here today, Marissa? Are you done? No, I, I feel good about that. Yeah. Thanks for listening guys. It was awesome. Yeah. Thanks for listening. All right. Well, that's it. Email uh, daily at lsatdemon.com if you'd like to ask us a question or share some LSAT or law school admissions news. Thanks for being here. We appreciate you.